Hello, everyone. This is Erica, and I am very happy to announce that today's show is sponsored by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, Vermont, the very same Alchemist beer that people drive from Connecticut on Thursdays to stand in line for all over Vermont. I can't really think of a better combination than podcasts and beer, particularly podcasts and Hetty Topper, the beer to slay other beers, the beer slayer. The Alchemist is committed to quality craft beer, strong communities, and a healthy, clean environment. I'm grateful that they're sponsoring my show, and please drink some in honor of their support of Rumble Strip. Now, on to the show. This is Rumble Strip America Heilman. So we've talked in, um, let's talk realistically about death and dying. This damn thing is big. What's that? Big. big. Yeah, it's for... told me to make it 32 inches wide. Oh, no, she's out of her mind. Although I'm going to be deeply chagrined if he doesn't fit. <laughs> My friend Tim Caston died three weeks ago. This is the sound of his friends and family building his casket or his coffin or really just a simple pine box for his body to be delivered to a crematorium in Northfield. His brother Kit, his nephew Bradley, and his neighbor Gordon built the box together in Gordon's shop. None of this would have surprised him. He built a pine box for his mother in this very room with these very people only a couple years ago. Yeah, pretty crappy job. Ever since I met Tim, he'd been preparing for his own death, partly because he had significant medical issues. He had a chronic degenerative back disease that crippled his spine, and he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. But I think mostly he was preparing for his death because he wanted to. Because thinking about the impermanence of life gave his life meaning. He was one of the most spiritually curious people I've ever met. He was also really good at the Sunday New York Times crossword. Tim's wish as a Buddhist was that his body be left undisturbed for three days after his death to give his consciousness time to let go of his physical body His family brought him home from the hospital. They wrapped him in a Buddhist blessing cloth and laid him out on a table in his woodshop near the house. In this show, you'll hear segments from an interview I did with Tim years ago about death and dying and the steady progress of his very own pine box. Before we get that really snug, let's be sure we're uh, we're about right. Yeah. It's not perfect. You want to do this side? Seven or almost eight years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it, I will say it's easier to experience someone else's dying than to be faced with your own. Getting the diagnosis was, was shattering. All this anxiety that many of us feel about our vulnerability, when the word actually comes, it's, it's very different than just our neurotic fears. So I went through surgery and I went through radiation. And the final word, oh, three years ago, was that the radiation and surgery had not been effective, that my PSA count was still going up. And that was shocking. But I will say that after a week or so, I began to feel some relief because I was suffering from PTSD in in relation to medical interventions and, and visits to doctors. I didn't want any more of it. So once I had been told there were no more curative options left, I felt a kind of relief. 
I thought, oh, now I don't have to go to the doctor anymore. I don't even have to keep track of this. So in those three years, I have not gone back for a PSA test because honestly, I don't really feel like monitoring my deterioration. <laughs> so so I've been, I have been living in limbo. Now, one other thing I should say about my past is that I got an education in physics. And one of the interesting ideas in quantum mechanics is this quantum idea of indeterminacy. If people have heard of Schrodinger's cat, that, you know, you put the cat in the box, you don't know whether the cat is alive or dead. Well, I experienced that literally in relation to my own life. You know, because I wasn't monitoring my PSA, I didn't know what my condition was. I didn't know how close to dying I might be. I was living in a state of limbo. And I thought, you know, if I don't look, it's not the same as denial. I want to be clear about that because denial is a word that comes up a lot when people are talking about death and dying. I was very clear about my own condition, but I was living in a state of indeterminacy. I thought, I don't know what my condition is right now. And if I don't look, see, this is the other aspect of, of quantum physics. There's this idea in quantum physics that when you look at a system, you collapse it into one of its states or another state or another state. In other words, it exists in a sort of a, uh, a realm of all possibilities until you observe it. And then the act of observing collapses it into some discrete state. And I thought, you, the same thing in terms of my own health. If I don't look at it too closely, I can go on in this state of limbo for a long time. And uh, I like that idea of indeterminacy. It used to frighten me. I mean, isn't that what people are afraid of? The indefiniteness of the time of their death. But now I, I realize, oh, it's preferable to living in a state of, of delusion, thinking you're going to live forever, or being constantly anxious that you're going to die. Me, you do it. All right. I think the dimensions Annie gave us for this were for the size of Tim's spirit, because she told us to make it three feet wide and two feet high. Tim's not that big. Quite huge. <laughs> I said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could fit in here. Or Shaq O'Neal, maybe. So, Gordon, you think it's it's long enough? I'm sure it's long enough. I'm a little bit worried that it's deep enough. When I first got the diagnosis, and I think this is very common for people who receive frightening diagnoses, you feel like you're in another world. You watch the rest of the world, and all the people in it seem to be leading happy lives, or at least lives with a, a long future ahead of them, and you feel completely isolated. But fortunately for me, prostate cancer, at least my prostate cancer, seems to have given me some time to really reflect on that, and I realize, oh, no, we're all, we're all in the same boat. And I have, I have deflected some of, the, um, some of the unwanted concern of friends on occasion by saying, you know, if you see the water up to my neck at my end of the boat, don't spare me, spare me some of your concern because I don't know if you've looked, but the water is at least up to your knees. We really are in the same boat.
Right, and we'll kind of piece this to right to get up to the top. What are we going to miss the most about his particular skill sets in at, on, in crossword? He, he knew, uh, you know, the Greek gods and all the traditional things that you find in the New Yorker and the New York Times when you're a wasp from Marblehead, New York, or wherever it was that he grew up. So what are we going to do? It's going to take a while without him. We'll have to have more, uh, more hors d'oeuvres. I listen to people occasionally say, I'm not afraid of dying. And that may be true for some, but I suspect that for almost all of them, it's not true. That, that they conceive of death very abstractly as something in the future, something safely in the future. And when you get, when you get a diagnosis and Beyond that, you, you get word that you've run out of curative options. It's very, very different. There's a profound grief that comes over you. I mean, you're, you're on, you see the inevitability of losing everything. And of course, I mean, this sounds trite, but there's the fear of the unknown. No one can say with certainty what's coming next. And you have to adjust yourself to that. Yes. So what's the big worry here about what is the worry? Whether Tim is going to, in death is going to be able to relax enough that his spine won't be bent so that he will fit into this coffin. It seems like a Google-able Googleable. Okay. Question. You know, Tim was unique. All right, I have a new suggestion. You can't find him on the Internet. Do you have enough wood? We could cut a triangle here and a triangle at the other end and put, the, put a lid on at an angle. Oh, jeez. Now we're getting into real joinery. Among my daily prayers is one that says, um, you know, may the torment of suffering not arise even at the time of my death. When my brother died, um, I, I thought he had a good death. He, um, I wasn't there, but his friend, wife, Liba, was there. She told me that he had been saying, I guess for some time preceding his actual death, that the room seemed unusually bright. And she thought, it's, it's not bright. And, but Hans, something changed was actually happening in his body. And clearly he was seeing some brightness. And then, but then when the time actually came, he tried to reach out and pat her on the head. And he said, I have to go now. And, and then he was gone. It's beginning to look big enough. I, I, I think it's big enough. I hope it's deep enough. It'll be deep enough, clearly. I had it measured already here. 23 and a half. Go right to the edge of my tape there. Is that the last screw? That's the last screw, I think. The old, if the lid fits. If the lid fits, put it on. I had a memory of earlier in my life when I had gone body surfing in Hawaii. And there are times when you get rolled by a wave when you are completely out of control. And at that time, when that was happening, I realized the only way to survive this without injury is to just let yourself be loose, just completely rest and relaxed. And, I, and it's become a metaphor for me of, of how to deal with a sense of, of being overwhelmed 
by a rush of events or by maybe what's happening with the disintegration of, of my own body. So, so that's, that's going to be my strategy. I hope that I will be, you know, aware enough and, and relaxed enough to, to handle it with some degree of ease. With a great degree of ease. <laughs> In the end, Tim did not fit in the box, or not quite. The box wasn't deep enough, so the lid wouldn't fit. Tim's family and friends laid him in his pine box without the cover, wrapped in his blessing cloth, and loaded him into Gordon's Subaru Legacy for the drive to the crematorium. A Subaru is kind of a Vermont-style hearse. Tim liked to drive through town on his way to places. He liked to see what was going on. Downtown Montpelier is pretty much two streets, state and main, so Gordon drove Tim downstate in an open casket, hung a right on Maine, and headed out to Northfield. The thing is, of all the people in the world I'd want to tell this story to, Tim's at the top of the list, which I guess is the final irony. According to those who were with Tim at the end, those who knew him best, Tim had the death he hoped for, relaxed, with a degree of ease. It was a good death. Fair winds, Tim Caston. Oh, Lord, I want a pair of wings to fly. Gonna leave this old world behind. This is Tim singing and playing the banjo. For more Tim playing the banjo, visit my website at rumblestripvermont.com. Also, there's a longer show featuring Tim called Mortality Tales. You can find that on my website. It was produced for the Wake Up to Dying project. Again, this is Rumblestrip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. Way my walking cane. Wanna run, wanna dance, wanna feel no pain. Let your love fall down, Lord, like a Want to stand straight before you in the morning.